0: Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name is Maze McCabe and I'm the UK Editor of Campaign.
1: Hi, I'm Gemma Charles, the Deputy Editor of Campaign.
0: So, it's the end of the summer and there's a back-to-school feel in the air. You can almost hear the collective sigh among parents as they see the start of the new term ahead of them. Gemma, you've just written a column for our subscribers that talks about something Omnicom's customer engagement agency, RAP, has done to support their working parents. Can you explain the initiative to the listeners who might not have read it?
1: Yeah, so um, after consulting its parents and carers group, RAP launched uh, this scheme called Schools Out Support. And what this does is that it allows working parents navigating that really difficult summer juggle of childcare when school's out. Uh, It allows them to um, work for 70% of the day in the core hours and then they can make up the remainder of the time whenever they can. So whether that's, the, I don't know, whether that's the evenings or the weekends or perhaps early in the morning. So it's it's an extension of an existing program they've got. So um, the agency runs one which lets all UK employees work anywhere in the world, providing that they can be on UK hours again for 70% of the time and have uh, access to good Wi-Fi.
0: And so what do you think about it as a policy?
1: Um, I'm really supportive of it. Um, I've got a child who is just turned four and about to go to school. So I'm only just getting to grips with the huge amount of planning and admin involved in how you cope with the times when they're not at school. And I've seen a lot of parents over the summer talking about this this juggle that they have to do in terms of do they put them in classes but sometimes these classes end at half two so that's you know not that's kind of in the middle of the working day so I just hadn't appreciated how much of a luxury it was for me to have to have a child at a nursery that runs from half seven to six p.m. so um so yeah I'm hugely supportive of what um rap are doing and you know, it's it's a trial, they're experimenting. But yeah, I mean that's great that they're doing that. I mean the only the only kind of concern I I had was I was just wondering how parents would cope with making up that thirty percent of work, whether um, you know, does that then eat into your evening too much? Or does it eat what about do you have to do it on the weekends? Is that is, is that a good swap? but let's be honest, a lot of parents work that way anyway. So, you know, it might actually be something that fits very well into the, into the rhythm of their lives. So, but they're going to actually, um, speak to, so when, when, when all the kids are back at school, they're going to, um, go back to the, um, parents and carers group and see how it went and evaluate it. So it'd be interesting to like Find hear about the results from that.
0: Yeah, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because on the one side, you feel like a company, you know, might think twice about encouraging staff to work in the evenings or at the weekend, and the potential impact on their, you know, well-being and, and mental health. Whereas on the other side, you've got adults who are, you know, able to make those decisions for themselves in terms of what works best for their family or, you know, personal setup.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's I mean, it's just something that we're all kind of working our way through, isn't it? We we see these emails, the the sort of email sign off with the old, oh, I'm I'm sending you this email at an unusual time, but it doesn't mean that uh you have to reply to me and everybody's trying to like find their own l- level with this, aren't they? And I think I think that's increased uh post pandemic as well, with um like the whole working from home thing too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm very much a scheduler rather than an emailer in the evening. But um, Obviously, we all make our own um, choices. Um, One of the things we thought about in the context of this was actually, obviously, the impact on people who don't have children. Um, And I think, I mean, from a sort of straw poll among the campaign team, even the people who maybe didn't have caring responsibilities for themselves all sounded quite positive and, and supportive of it as a policy,
1: didn't they? Yeah, no, you're right, Maisie, they did. And I mean, I actually went back to RAP and asked them specifically about whether they had consulted with um, the the colleagues who don't have children about how they feel about this. And they actually said they hadn't, but they were quite sort of, I I would say unapologetic in the fact that they were saying, you know, it is it's a unique position you find yourself in as a parent um, over this kind of six weeks holiday. And, you know, they're, they're not making any bones about it. They, they do want to support parents, but yeah, I mean, it is definitely you do again that there's going to be a wider consultation on their policies. And at that point, I suppose anyone who may have had an issue with it could could perhaps raise any, anything then. But certainly um, it all seemed to be done in quite a kind of consultative way. So, yeah, I'm very, very supportive of this.
0: It should be said that both Gemma and I have new skin in the game because we have children that are starting school in September. Um, It's, you know, obviously as a, a colleague, you try and be as empathetic as possible. But I think sometimes it's really quite hard to understand the the reality of the complexity that comes with being a working parent if you are not one or don't have kind of responsibility, caring responsibilities outside your job. Um, I think maybe some people are probably better at being empathetic than I was. I certainly thought I was being, I was empathetic as a colleague. Um, but as I've written about before, that kind of struggle of how you combine work with um, children who are, a you know, a full-time job is is one that we don't have a neat answer to it yet.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So, apologies to everyone if you are bored with our um, back-to-school theme and our discussion of schools. We we promise to move on quickly, but sometimes it is nice to have a sort of a moment of reset, particularly when there is dramatic news, um, you know, all around us. And it certainly feels like we're in a kind of era-defining period of time. Um, but we did ask um, some of our industry luminaries what they have on their minds um now we're looking at back to school so the specific question was back to school what are your hopes and fears um for the coming term so we asked a a number of people including pip hulbert who's the chief exec of Wonderman thompson uk and um she highlighted in her response that they were named integrated agency of the year by campaign this year um and said that it's led to lots of conversations with brands so that's always nice um It should be said that our Agents of the Year awards for this year are now open for entries, though the deadline is not until the 16th of December. We're currently in the process of recruiting our senior marketer judges. So any CMOs listening, please do get in touch if you are interested in being involved. And we'll have more details about the judges and the chair soon. So Gemma, was there anything in the kind of back to school answers that struck you?
1: Um, I rather liked um, Tammy Einav, the Chief Executive of Adam and Eve's answer where she was very much um hitting back against the back to school analogy. Um <laughs> sorry, <spoke> Tammy. <laughs> and spoke about finding it infantilizing and misrepresentative.
0: But then then she we're probably with dissent on campaign. Like, you know, if you can't challenge the question, then who are we? <laughs> indeed, indeed. We're all for
1: dissent here. So um but actually after challenging the question, she went on to um get get stuck in. So yeah, I kind of liked she, there was a, there was a sort of optimism there. Um, You know, she spoke about Christmas, which is obviously um, as, as the John Lewis and Partners Agency, which is a big time for them. Uh, So she spoke about Christmas and the World Cup being around the corner and said, um, the outlook for creativity is promising. And uh, so, you know, she's got this, she had an optimistic um, feel to her answer, which, uh perhaps wasn't in some of the other answers. But um yeah, I mean, let's let's see. I mean it, it's 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 a really challenging time that, that's coming up and perhaps Christmas and the World Cup will be, you know, a bit of escapism for, for people. At, um perhaps what could be a difficult
0: time. One of the respondents, Mark Song from Pablo, um, you know, kind of was quite um you know, bullish in a positive way about um, sort of not wasting uh, marketing resources on low impact activity. And he said, would hope he hopes that instead we'll appreciate what we need to do is work even harder to do big talked about things." So that was quite a nice m- message.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if it if it comes to pass, then um, you know, <laughs> isn't isn't, <laughs> isn't it often said that in times of kind of challenge that actually creativity comes to the fore and, you know, can actually blossom. So we can we can we'll certainly see that theory tested, won't we?
0: Yeah. I mean I sort of feel a bit um cynical, pessimistic if we've having a this jump around from positivity to cynicism at this podcast. But when when our year ahead essays, quite a lot of um the people who who wrote for that had this kind of yeah, had that idea of things are going to be quite hard, so let's, you know, use that to be inspired to make brilliant work and kind of change the game. I'm not sure if probably anyone, yeah, anticipated the Ukraine war or the cost of living crisis. And you know, everyone making those predictions, and I'm I'm not sure yet we've delivered on that expectation, but there's plenty of time, I suppose. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, going back even further,
1: I remember the um year ahead essays that were written in 2019 about the coming 2020s <laughs> and there was a lot <laughs> there was a lot there was a lot of uh, talk about it's going to be the roaring 20s, bring it on. And uh well we know how that turned out, don't we? May, will they ever roar will, will we ever get to that point?
0: Oh gosh, I hope so. It is yeah, it's kind of it's a difficult time and obviously we haven't even touched on the environment. Mark Eaves of Gravity Road in his response mentioned about how he's hoping that the government don't chase short term fixes and said, you know, he said it's he thinks it's easy for brands to forget about the environment when the weather gets colder, but that the conversation needs to continue. Um and he's hoping to see impactful work in that area. Absolutely. Do you have any hopes or fears, Gemma, for your turn ahead?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps I'm more in the pessimistic <laughs> side. So actually, it's good to read read about some optimism. Uh, so yeah, just overall, um, yeah, just fearful about how the cost of living crisis will play out this winter. You know, it's, it's sort of scary when you hear about um, things like heat banks. So not a food bank, a heat bank being, um, you know, Opening to help people who can't afford to heat their homes, and so they've got somewhere to go to stay warm. I mean, that that's that's kind of not something either I've, I've experienced in my lifetime. So that's really scary, and you know, and you there's there's a lot of chat on Twitter about small businesses, um, their bills arriving, and they've they've gone up sort of fivefold. You know, so so yeah, that that is scary, I guess. And just from a, a kind of adland perspective, I suppose it's it's. The classic thing of seeing um, how it plays out, whether you know brands hold tight uh, or or cut spend. Obviously, we've had the IPA um, advertising campaign a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Which was, you know, urging. Um, well, I think it was it, it was it ran in the FT, didn't it? So it was aimed at um, financial directors, urging them to hold tight and not cut spend, and how there's a sort of wealth of. Um, of research, and that shows that you know spending uh, through hard times um, pays dividends in the end, so yeah, I mean we'll, we'll just have to see I mean what i was I was actually interested to think whether some of the energy companies would they would they row back a bit in in their spending as, as they you know as as the the bills go up. I'd be interested. Well, will they will they try and up their spending and talk about the ways they can help? What, what that 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 there's a communications challenge for them there uh, for sure. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be something that Money Got Leave and um, the partnership partnership will be working on for British Gas, no doubt.
1: Mm, mm. And
0: following their pitch, um, could be I guess quite a timely moment to review your agencies, I suppose. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and obviously, we hope that our children. Sell into school <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about them anymore <laughs> Sorry. so last week our question of the week looked at what outgoing prime minister boris johnson has done for the advertising industry now it's fair to say that most of our respondents are not johnson fans the words our colleague matt barker used were that he'd alienated and exasperated our band Issues raised included the ongoing fallout from Brexit, the proposed sell-off of Channel 4, attacks on the BBC, and a somewhat cavalier attitude to various social issues. Last year, campaign organised an open letter calling on the government to keep Channel 4 in public ownership. We plan to continue to push on the cause, so please get in touch if you'd like to be involved. In the piece last week, Richard Huntington, the CSO at Sarchi in Sarchi London, summed it up for many, rather depressingly, when he said that nothing about our country is better for Johnson's pretend premiership, but little will improve with his departure. So Gemma, was there anything that struck you in their comments and any of the responses that we got?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they weren't all of, yeah, they had, there was more negativity than positivity, I think you'd say. But um, I rather like the even-handed comment from Sue Eustace, the Director of Public Affairs at the Advertising Association. So she gave Boris Johnson credit for harnessing the power of advertising during the COVID pandemic, but was unimpressed by his interventionism in terms of the HFSS ad rules and the privatization of Channel 4. So, you know, she, she kind of seemed to do, she, she gave him his dues. But then at the same time, I think you could say that there are more things that she wasn't impressed with than impressed with about uh, Johnson's premiership. Um and you know, and actually, I would just pick up on the h f s s um sort of policy change, which to me just always felt a bit ridiculous because he 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 obviously himself got very ill with with covid and then but it took him getting ill for him to want to change policy, so he 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 got ill with covid then came out saying that he he's overweight and he needs to lose weight and other people need to lose weight. And, you know, this is a man that used to sort of rally against a nanny statism and then switch to wanting, wanting to tighten the rules on, um, you know, how we market um, food, which to me just seems ridiculous because policies should surely be decided on evidence and, you know, good, good decision-making rather than a change in your own personal circumstances. Now, th- this isn't a comment on whether or not the rules should be tightened, and that, that in itself is a whole discussion that um, has been quite an interesting, heated one in the industry. But it's more just the, the reason that um, he did want to change the rules, to me. just see, It just seems a little bit silly.
0: Yeah, it's almost like planning a podcast and writing articles just because you, you've got children, eh? <laughs> Maybe we will be more um, circumspect and evidence-based if we were. I think we do quite a good job running the country, (laughs) Deborah. But as long as I don't have to
1: be Chancellor, I don't like numbers.
0: You can be Prime Minister. (laughs) I'll be Chancellor.
1: Fair enough. Up for that.
0: Um, No, it is an interesting thing. Like, I mean, yeah, the whole debate, I know um, Amelia Terodes springs to mind as someone who's been quite interesting on HFSS um, policy because she, I mean, more eloquently than I'm going to do now, but kind of made the point that the advertising industry sort of trying to claim that food advertising doesn't work whilst also trying to flog food advertising to brands is kind of, um, you know, a little bit Mm. hypocritical.
1: I think it's I think it's fascinating because what you've I think what you've seen is that the um the trade bodies have held quite a firm line on it and you know that's probably as it should be but industry practitioners are not necessarily in step um with that firm line that uh, trade bodies are holding on which is again I think they should be pushing back against um rule rule changes but then there's odd times when, you know, industry people are saying, well, hang on a minute. Are we going to be on the wrong side of history here um, and compare it to, you know, things that have gone like tobacco advertising, for instance? So, you know, I think that's it's, it's a fascinating area to me.
0: Yeah, because it, it brings to mind the, um, the French changes around oil advertising that they've brought in recently. And I think there's been some discussions of restrictions in um, in Australia, and then you've obviously had the kind of guerrilla protests this week at agencies, kind of trying to encourage staff to kind of corrupt their account from the inside. <laughs> uh, and we obviously have a debate internally about, you know, the advertising for product, well, for alcohol or, or gambling brands and um, and where they sit. So mm. it's probably a whole other podcast, I, th- I, I think
1: I think it's a whole other podcast because I now want to go into whether it's – whether the – when agencies say that they are, you know, they're working with um, these oil producers because they can lead them in the right direction, I want to explore whether that's spin or whether that's true. But again, it's a whole other
0: podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge, isn't it? Like, if they are really investing loads in green technology, like, is that, you know, should that be restricted from being um, advertised? Um, And then, I mean, you know, airlines, young, cool, trendy agencies, you know, can get their heads turned by uh, the glamour of an airline um, in a way you might not always expect.
1: Yeah. It's about where do you draw the line when you look at industries and decide whether they are in the naughty corner or the acceptable corner?
0: Or the grey area in between. Um, So for next week, we're working on a piece on what the advertising industry would like from the next prime minister. So keep an eye out um, for that on campaignlive.co.uk. We'd also like to say good luck to everyone nominated for Media Leader of the Year at the Media Week Awards. The shortlist includes Laura Fenton of OMD, Natalie Bell of Manning Gottlieb OMD, Natalie Cummings of Zenith Media, Rachel Ford of UM, Kate Rollinson of MediaCom, Matthew Dearden of Alight Media, Karen Stacey of DCM, and Sue Fennessy of We Are Eight. Tickets are now available and the awards take place on the 20th of October. So thank you to Gemma for joining the podcast today. If you'd like to read the articles we've been discussing, please visit the website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the campaign podcast, please follow us, like, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to our producer, Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio, and also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.